So I, I got a question, like which, which type of person are you? When, when you say you holding a barbecue and the barbecue starts at three, which person are you? Are you the person that is going to start at three? Or are you the person that three is a suggestive time and the food's coming out the refrigerator at 3.30. When folks start showing up, they show up. I, I, I was reading an, an article by a woman named Helena Morovic on the perception of time and how time can be experienced and perceived by different cultures. I want you to hear this because I felt at home. I felt at home. It said, Western cultures, including some parts of East Asia, such as Japan, tend to measure their time by the clock. According to their understanding, each activity should have a precise beginning and a precise end. On the other hand, measuring time in Eastern cultures is event or personality related. That is to say, they do not let their time interfere with their judgment. They will gladly prolong the meeting or schedule it for the next day if participants have family-related obligations. Each activity or event should have a natural beginning or a natural end. Said another way, what time does the party start? You know when, when we start. <laughs> and what time is it over? Well, you know when folks feel like it's over. That's kind of messy for some people, but feels very natural to others. And, and both are right. How we see time and perceive time and interact with time, there's no right or wrong, just that you use it for God's glory. So today, I want to take a moment to examine time, to examine this opportunity that God gives us and examine it from the standpoint of how can we use time to be something that glorifies Christ. Better said, God has this thing called Sabbath, which is actually a break from work, a break from time doing labor. How can we use something like Sabbath to point people towards Jesus? I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We've been in our, our series on evangelism this year where we are trying to, trying to remind ourselves that God has reconciled us to him. And then he does something great in reconciling us to him. He uses us to reconcile other people to him. He says, you, you got a chance to experience my beauty. And now I'm going to use you to go and allow that beauty to be what other people see. We've been talking about that, and now I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 because I want you to get some of the background as to why God would rest. What page is Genesis chapter 1 on, y'all? Oh, we got an easy one this week. We got an easy one. Page 1, amen. It says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Jump down a little bit for me to to verse 9. We get to see uh, a perspective of another day. And God says, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Verse 13 says, and there was evening and there was morning and there was a third day. All good in God's eyes. Jump down to verse 27. Watch what he creates on this day. It says, and so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Verse 31, and God saw that all that he made, and it was what, y'all? Very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Now scroll over to chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. He rested. He rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rests. He creates. All things flow out of who he is. All things flow out of what he is. All things flow out of his love that dwells in him. And he creates our world, our being. He creates us. And we get a chance to represent the beauty of his image. We are image bearers. And then he steps back and does something. He rests. That term rest can be broken down from a few different ways. You know, when you, when you say, uh, um, uh, I'm tired, like tired has so many, so many different connotations. Ask a mother after she's been with the kids all day, what does tired mean? Ask a friend that's been nagged again and again and again and again, what's tired mean? It means you're getting on my nerves, that's what it means, you know? Like, like, like a word can have different meanings depending on the context. And, and this word has a couple of contexts that are, that are valuable. The first is that it means to cease, to stop, to no longer engage in activity. So God stops the work of creating. He stops the work of bringing things into existence. He ceases to work. But it also has the connotation of being replenished, resting. And some of us know the concept of resting, but you might be like me where even when you're supposed to rest, you don't really rest. My wife had to get on me. We would go on vacations, and I'm like, bet we finally here. Okay, I want a jet ski. I want a hang glide. I want a cliff jump. I want to go skating. Like, what's up? You ready, baby? And she's like, can we get a book and sit on the beach? <laughs> can, can, can we just? See, that, that's, that's not her idea of rest. It's really not mine either, but I don't get to get out as much. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do everything I can while I'm here. And I come back from my rest needing rest. 
See, so God says in this moment, he's created all things and he stopped. He ceases from activity. But, but, but I don't want you to, to see that everything you do has to be what God has done. We'll say that again. Everything you do doesn't have to be what God has done. Why? Because you're not God. And so while God gives us some things that are very important and can be good for us, there's a pattern that begins, and this pattern is, is for a couple of reasons. Number one, we don't see Adam being a part of the Sabbath. We don't see Noah as a part of the Sabbath. We don't see Isaac as a part of the Sabbath. We don't see Jacob, Joseph. Anyone before our people are in bondage, we don't hear of them doing the Sabbath. This is something God did. After he created the world, but we don't see an inclination that it was a mandate given right after he created man. But we do see the people of Israel, the Israelites, his people set aside for his chosen purposes, given this mandate after Moses comes down the mountain. Moses goes, experience God on the mountain, comes back with these two big tablets, and he says, I've got some, some laws for you. I've got some things that, that, that you need to hear. I've got some ways that God wants us to behave because we have gone so far away from him. We have begun to live a lifestyle that is counter to what God would desire, and so he gives us these Ten Commandments. $200 to anybody that can say the Ten Commandments right now. Just joking. See, you wasn't quick enough. Sorry. Boom. I gave you a chance. I gave you a chance. But sometimes you do the same thing. Sometimes you're doing life, you're kicking it, you're having fun, and then you see, wait a minute, the kids are getting a little rowdy. The kids are starting to act up a little bit. But mama, you didn't say I couldn't jump on the couch. You just said, don't throw stuff. Okay, don't jump on the couch. You start making rules as you go because they start getting creative with the disobedience. <laughs> like, okay, let me rein you on in. I thought I said be obedient. That was enough. Nope, I got to make it. Okay. And so God starts seeing the error of the ways of his people, not start seeing because sin has always been present in us, but the, but the people of Israel now get these, these laws. These laws. These laws. Get it, y'all. Laws are always intended to remind us of an intended good. When I'm speeding the whole time, I know I'm supposed to be going the speed limit. The whole time. And all you need is a cop car to show up for you, but whoop, slow it down. See, the law is not intended to save us. It's intended to point us back towards the one who saves us. Point us back towards right living and right action. And so it is with the Ten Commandments. And so it is with Sabbath. We sometimes forget the, 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 the mentality to work ethic, Pastor Kay mentioned it a little bit earlier today, but that, that, that the people of God were coming out of bondage. What rest did a slave get? 
What time to sit back and consider the things of God did a slave have? And so these unhealthy patterns of never stopping, never ceasing to get ahead for those that have oppressed you has now been baked into the people as a right way to live. And we get it. We get it. Every time I go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, I'm mad. How dare you inconvenience me? You know my mouth was salivating for that chicken sandwich. We get it. We understand what an inconvenience, how different, what a, a, a conflict with culture stopping from the normal rhythm of life has with the, wor the world. We get it. We get it so much that it's tough for us. It is very tough for us to slow down and choose to put things on hold to make space for God and God alone. My wife and I had a, had a chance to go to Israel. And, uh, and while we were there, we were there on uh, the Sabbath, uh, actually twice, but one of the days we were staying in this hotel. Now, the hotel has like four or five levels, a uh, bunch of people in it, uh, and they have two elevators. One of the elevators, the elevator on the left, uh, they said, they, or they told us, hey, tomorrow's going to be Sabbath, so the elevator's not going to work. We're like, what? They're like, well, well, one of them is not going to work at all. The other one, if you get on it, it goes and it stops at every floor no matter what. I guess if you stop at every floor, it's not like you working to stop at one person's floor. You just, I don't, I don't get the concept. But, ow. Sorry, my people that's at home. It's so you don't have to do the work of pressing the button. <laughs> my sister, she, she comes from a Jewish background, so she has probably break it. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I'm telling y'all, we coming from the pool. I'm like, cool, let me get, oh, oh, like, oh, like, 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 it's an inconvenience, but really it wasn't. What, what, what it did was make me have to wrestle with, oh, everybody else will adjust. They will adjust to food already being somewhere and you can't come and order something. They'll adjust to it going up every level or they can go through the stairs. They'll adjust to the, the city being a different type of hum that's so quiet. They'll adjust. And it, and, it, and it does something culturally. It makes you say, if they are willing to shut down half the city because they believe that this is time that they're supposed to be spending with God, what am I doing that's so important that I can't join? Join? Get a sandwich? Like, like, like what's so important? Ten more emails? What's so important? Um, uh, five phone calls that we need to make? Like, what, like what, what is it? And, and you and I know when you get sick or when you go on vacation, what you left will be there when you get back. Go in the hospital. Watch what happens. Somehow things still go on without you. 
And so God is saying, hold up. I want to break your rhythm, the slave rhythm that you have, that you are enslaved to the work. I want to break that rhythm and have you say, this day is holy. This day is holy. This day is holy. Why? Because God is saying, you are holy. You are holy. He is holy. This day is holy. What does holy mean? It means set apart. It doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart. So now what does it look like for us to, in our normal rhythm, say, I'm going to set something apart? Why? Because God gives us this beautiful freedom. He gives us a, a understanding of the good that Sabbath is for us, but he doesn't mandate it in the same way that he did with the Israelites because Sabbath was pointing towards our Savior. Look with me in Galatians chapter 3. And there's a, there's a few places in Corinthians, there's a few number of places where people are arguing over Sabbath or arguing over, over this legalistic rule. Like, unfortunately, we prefer to have a law than we do freedom. We would rather there be one thing you must say. Did you, did you say Jesus is Lord and that you submit unto him? Like, 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 like I remember when I got saved... Somebody said to me, okay, so what was the day you got saved, and what, what verse did you hear when it happened? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't have the day and the verse in your salvation story? No. Well, are you really? Like, we like to put these, like, rules on and continue with laws. And, and, and the messiness of Jesus is that there is some expectation for what it means to be saved. But that process, the way in which it happens, some of the freedom by which he grabs our heart is so, 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 it varies between us. And so when there's a temptation for Sabbath to be legalistic, to be something where it's like, oh, did you do it from 12 noon to 12, did you do it from this time? To, is it on Friday? Did you do it this time? Galatians chapter 3 says this. Says, so again, I ask, sorry, chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 5. Does anybody know the page that we're on? 1659. And if you're at home, you're like, I need to get one of them church Bibles. Don't worry, we'll send you one for $89.99. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> Verse 5, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Why do, we, why, do we just, why do we connect back to Abraham? We connect back to Abraham because he is a man of faith, but also he's a man who we have no indication that he observed the Sabbath. We don't, we don't, we don't have any, any inkling that that was something. But now, does that mean that Sabbath isn't good? No, because y'all are blessing me with a sabbatical. And we just talked about the, the beauty of breaking the rhythm of unhealth when we are enslaved to work. Sabbath can be good. It's just not law. 
It's just not, it's just not a mandate, and you shouldn't feel like, 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 like if I'm not doing the law, then I'm not worshiping God. But you should have space to be convicted. Rebecca and I were, were there, and we had this amazing brother who taught uh, Old Testament at, in, down in Emory in Atlanta. And one of the things he said was that, um, um, that Sabbath is the only, uh, the only commandment of the Ten Commandments that we don't feel bad about breaking. Covet somebody else's wife, you feel bad. That's still a commandment. You know, worshiping idols, we know, we, we know that's wrong. We know that's wrong. But even though the Sabbath isn't a commandment, we should still have space in our hearts to be convicted that this is a healthy way to experience God. Continue chapter 4 of Galatians. We're going to go to verse 10 and 11. Like, Pastor, you're making a case where you go back and forth. On one hand, you're saying it's not a law. On the other hand, you're saying it's good for me. Which is it? Ooh, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> welcome to Faith 101. Verse 10, you are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. He's, he's saying, wait, 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 wait. Y'all, y'all are so focused on these days. Y'all are so focused on observing special days, special months, special seasons and years. Did I mess up? Did I, did, I, did, I, did I steer you astray? Did I not remind you of Jesus and the faith and all that we have in him and, and, and that you don't have to be so ritualistic, but it is something that you should consider? Why? You should consider it for these four W's. Work, worth, witness, and withdrawal. Work, worth, witness, and withdrawal. Work. We tend to believe that we can, as people, earn things with God. We tend to believe at times that God's grace overflows us, but we want to serve enough so that when we get blessed, we're like, eh, I, I, I kind of see why you did that. And, and, and breaking that pattern is something God wants to do. He wants to remind us that, that even on your off of off days, I'm still holy. I still move. I still, I still love you and I still cherish you and I still want to see you flourish. And it's not because of what you or I have done. Work. I was reading a, a book by, um, by, or an article by a rabbi and he tells this story that's from Miss Letty's wonderful book called Springs in the Valley. It says, In the deep jungles of Africa, a traveler was making a long trek. Coolies had been engaged from a tribe to carry the load. The first day, they marched rapidly and went far. The traveler had high hopes of a speedy journey. The second morning, these men from the jungle tribe refused to move. For some reason, they just sat and rested. On inquiry as to the reason for their strange behavior, the traveler was informed that they had gone too fast the first day and that they were now waiting for their souls to catch up with their 
bodies. Ms. Cowan concludes that this perpetuating exhortation was, was something that helped them understand that the whirling rush of life which so many of us live in does for us what that first march did for those jungle tribesmen. The difference is that they knew that they needed to restore life's balance and often we do not. That we get out of balance and that work will exhaust us and we will keep going and not even know that we're exhausted. First, Sabbath helps break the rhythm of work. Second, Sabbath helps break the idea that our worth and who we are is connected to what we do. That, that, that our job, our title, uh, my, my brother um, went to a conference a few weeks ago, and it was a Christian conference. And he said that at this conference, one of the rules they made at the conference was that you could not ask a person, what do you do for a living? In a, in a big group, a big room of brand new people where you don't know someone, tell me how tempted are you for that to come up? Why? Because it's a, it's a, it's a part of, of our nature to somehow, like, oh, you, oh, you're a teacher, so I can, okay, I'll put you, oh, you're an accountant, I'll put you in here, okay, okay, you're a carpenter, okay. Now, like, I, I start learning how I can navigate conversation and what you and I connect with and where your worth is in the hierarchy of society or where mine is in comparison to you. See, somehow worth can be connected to our work, and God is saying, pause that. Holy time, separate from me. Work, worth, witness, witness. I, I, I still remember sometimes the smell of my home or my grandmama's home. If my mom would start cooking Saturday night in order for Sunday, we can have dinner when we come home from church. It, 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 it was, it's just that aroma of, wait, 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 we about to go to bed, but something in that crock pot doing things. <laughs> you know, on the edge of my bed is the, is, is the khakis that have been creased. They are, they are sitting there. The shoes is laid out like, like, like there's something that happens when you, when you prepare your mind for worship the next day. But it's also something that happens when, when people say, what you doing tonight on Saturday night? And you're like, uh, you know what? I can kick it, but I can't stay out too late. I'm going to church tomorrow. I got, I got church in the morning. And, it, and it's, not a, it's not an indictment on them. I got church in the morning. Where you going to be? Like, 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 we're not those types of Christians. But it is interesting how seamless God can come up when you welcome somebody into the rhythm of your life that is one of worship. And so what does it look like to put aside space? We know that it's simple and easy on a Sunday, but what does it look like when it's not just on a Sunday morning? Y'all are going to are going to bless us with this, this time on sabbatical. And, and I got to confess, I don't, I don't always have an answer to this question. But, but when, when Moses went up on the mountain and he goes to experience God, 
when Moses comes down from the mountain, the people of God say to Moses, what did he tell you? What happened? What took place because you were in his presence? See, a Sabbath, a sabbatical, a time of being able to go and experience God, we should come back and be able to say, man, let me tell you how I was refreshed. Let me tell you about my time. And we do it naturally. If one of y'all take a two-week vacation and go somewhere, y'all go to Mexico, you go to uh, Toronto, you go to the, to, to some, name some other hot place that's fun. I don't know, y'all. I'm messing up. Belle Isle? Okay, Detroit just moved up, y'all. Belle Isle, yes. <laughs> you know you go to Belle Isle, you know what I'm saying, for two weeks. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> You know, you go to Cancun or something. When, when you come back and people haven't seen you, what's the first thing they ask you? How was it? How was your trip? What would it look like if we were the people of God who were like, man, you know what? Like, I just, I, I spent a day seeking the Lord. How was it? How was the time? What was, what was it like being in his presence? Did he walk away with something? Did God speak to you? What's it going to mean for you? What it would look like if we expected to have a God experience? Saying Sabbath gives you that space. I can't say for you that God's going to show up every time. I can't say for you every time you sit there, God's going to be like, oh, look, you know, I, I don't know. I do know, though. When I'm driving somewhere and it's my first time driving, I'm far more attentive to the road signs. And see, when you are seeking God's presence, you're far more prone to hear him speak when you've made space for it, when you've developed an attentive ear for it. And I'm telling you this because pastor needs to grow in it. It's something that I want to do with you that we would say, how's your time with the Lord been? What's he been saying? That should be as normal as how was your vacation? Lastly, withdrawal. That that if we have work can be disrupted and, and our worth can be disrupted and our witness can be disrupted, it is important for us to withdraw so that our spirit can catch up with the place that God has for us. It's important. It's important for us to get away from the normal rhythm. It's important for us to be able to experience God away from the normal expectations. It is important for us to be able to be rested and replenished. And the only thing that comes to mind for me is just a nice cold glass of lemonade on a hot day. Amen. You, you, know, you know how like your, 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 your throat is parched, you're longing for something, you, you want it to be quenched, and then you get that cold first gulp and you be like, ah. You need that for your soul. We need that for our soul. Work desires, the rhythm of the world desires to dry us all out and we don't even realize it. It desires to exhaust us. And Christ wants to be that which 
quenches our thirst. That's why, scroll with me now, keep going in the New Testament towards the back in Hebrews chapter 4. See, we get a chance to experience God's rest when we, when we delight in Sabbath, but Sabbath is always pointing towards the one who we rest in. Hebrews chapter 4. Starting at verse 8. Somebody let me know what page we're on. 1707. Hebrews chapter 4. Starting at verse 8. 1707. For if Joshua, I'm sorry, chapter 4 starting at verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This whole thing is saying, is saying wait a minute. The people of God have not fully experienced the rest of God offers until they have accepted Christ. That Sabbath is to make us be reminded that we are in need of Jesus. That's why Sabbath can be something that is continual. You can do it over and over again. But Christ is the only one who satisfies us. And there will be a day where we are fully satisfied. Where the rest that God desires for us, we will be able to experience to the fullest degree. Unfortunately, here, the people of Israel were being disobedient, not choosing to accept Jesus for who he was and have full faith in him. But we get the opportunity today. We get an opportunity for something as beautiful as Sabbath to reign in our lifestyle. So here's the question. Is it a law? No. Is it an invitation for you to delight in God? Yes. So I would encourage you to greatly consider this invitation. And then I would encourage you to do life with one another so that we can be able to celebrate when God shows up in those Sabbath moments, but also find ways to expect his presence to meet us. I thank y'all for, for, for blessing my family with time for Sabbath. And, and we're trying to start thinking through some ways to like, 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 hear me. I don't claim that it's easy. Each time one of my children have the audacity to have a personality, I'm like, oh, oh, you want to you wanna do soccer and you want to do basketball and you want to do volleyball. So now I'm like the professional chauffeur. Okay, I see how this go. And rest for each of us in our household of people that God has beautifully made, rest can look different. And rest on same schedules can be difficult. Not saying that it's not challenging. What I'm saying is, is it important? If it's important, 
then we'll find a way to pursue God to make space for him. We'll find a way. Why? Because he wants to give us refreshment. He knows you're exhausted. He knows I'm exhausted. He knows we all are being challenged day after day by a rhythm that is not what he intended. And he wants space to be set apart in our lives in a way where we will witness to the world that Christ is worth our everything. Join me in that rhythm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We desire rest in you. We need, Lord, to be able to to communicate with other people the beauty of who you are. We want to evangelize. But we also realize, Lord, evangelism happens through the way we live. And so, Father, as we make space for you, may that communicate to others the love we have for you and be an invitation for them to experience you. We pray, God, that you would give us a conviction to spend time with you that is set apart from our normal rhythm and that it would lead others to know you. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.